Let's put our hands together for Pastor Paul. He did a good job. Hallelujah. I think it's in the DNA. Dancing, it's just part of it. Any small bit and something starts moving. You know, <laughs> just a, a tree snapping and there's some music. You know, it's just a, a musical land. So those taking music, consider Africa for your attachment, for your internship. Because everything is making some noise and melody. And uh, it's such an honor to be here. Something that started out as just a dream, a desire, and God has brought it to pass. I really count it a privilege. And thank you so much for the welcome. Praise the Lord. And uh, God, the song that we were talking, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, was so appropriate. How we are bonded together. How people from different miles and miles apart, thousands of miles apart, but God brought us together in Christ. And like that scripture in Revelation, that at the fullness of time, every tribe and every tongue and every language, every color, will all be represented at the throne of Christ. What a joy. And we'll all understand each other. Praise the Lord. Those that don't speak English, those that do Swahili, I believe, I don't know, this is not doctrine, but somehow you may understand Kiswahili for your first time very fluently. And I'll understand German or whatever. I don't know how God will work it out. But we'll all be on one page saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive the glory and the honor and the riches because He is our source. Whether, whatever our economic status, whatever our color, our complexion, our background, only the Lamb of God is worthy to receive the praise. He is our source. Whether in the capital, in the capital, capitalistic or the socialist whatever the kind of government it is, all of us all know that unless the Lord builds, they labor in vain that build it. So I'm glad that you've chosen to build on solid ground. So it's such a joy please receive warm greetings and I mean warm warm greetings from Nairobi, Kenya <laughs> and from Reverend Judy the CEO of the ministry and all of them, they love each one of you and they are glad and I come with their love, with their regards and just pray that you'll also be ministered to and blessed in the time that we shall share. And I'm also glad to be here during this emphasis of missions. I didn't even realize that this month you're having that emphasis on missions. And missions, somebody said, you are either in the mission field or you are the mission field. Two things. I don't know what, which one of you, what you've chosen. You're either in the mission field or you are the mission field. You're out there. You may, there. you may be there physically. Or you may also be there in your prayers. You may be there in your finances. The Bible tells us in Romans that how shall they believe in whom they've not heard? And how shall they believe unless there's a preacher? And how shall he preach unless he is sent? So you can also be a missionary in terms of sending. Send those that are going there. And God bless you for those that are supporting missions in different ways. And in prayer, please continue. It is part and parcel of your calling as a believer. So that brings us to the scripture that we've shared. Being salt and light in a dark world. Salt and light in a dark world. I don't even need to expound much about salt, the need for salt. Because some of us this morning used it. You boiled your eggs, you fried your eggs or whatever, 
and you put a little salt in there. Or you tasted it, mm, yuck, and you needed some salt. Now, that is what the world feels like when you are not playing your part as a believer. It is yucky. Lifestyle is yuck without your contribution. What is salt? salt? What are the uses of salt? Jesus used a very vivid scripture because for them in that culture and for us, it was a day-to-day, everyday thing that we needed. You need salt to flavor your food. You need salt for medicinal purposes. If somebody has a wound and you don't have something else, you put salt and you clean it. You use salt to clean. So it has the work of bringing flavor. It has the work of healing. It's medicinal. It has the work of cleansing. It has the work of preserving. You know, the fishing community, before the fridges and all other things, salt was very, very principal. Yesterday I got the opportunity to go to the beach and just enjoy myself by the ocean. Ah, what a joy. <laughs> and I, if anybody goes there after me, if you don't find any shells, please, I'm, I'm responsible. <laughs> Forgive me, but I'm responsible. There are some sections of the beach that may be very clean. <laughs> because I gathered all the shells that I could and we didn't have enough bags. And I'll have to, I've told Terry that one of my bags will be the clothes I carried, the other one will be shells. <laughs> so, I, and I may leave my clothes anyway, those ones I can get others since <laughs> I'd rather carry the shells. <laughs> but it's a joy just to enjoy what God is doing here. Now, the fishing community, salt is relevant because the fish being so sensitive, so tender, you need to preserve them with salt. So think about it. When Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What is he meaning? Jesus could have said many other things. Why did he choose salt? He wasn't lacking what to say. It wasn't a bad day for him that he was bored and wondering, what do I say to my disciples? They've gathered and I wasn't ready. I had not prepared a sermon, so he thought, hmm... Okay, Gamma, can I have a burger? Okay. Oh, salt. You are the salt of the earth. No. When Jesus uses his words, very calculated, very weighty. Those are two scriptures that you can pass by them and go to the next one. Remember, they are found in the context of the Beatitudes. The greatest sermon ever told. The Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. These are the attitudes you need to be, <laughs> if, I can, if I can humorously put it. This is who you ought to be. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. These are the kind of character, the attitudes that you need to carry so that you can be truly salt and light. So he comes, and I like the introduction about this sermon because in verse 1 it says, When Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach. Quickly, let me bring a few points about this. Jesus is so calculated. It says when he saw the crowds, what were the crowds doing? I guess a large percentage were remembering this is the one that multiplies bread and fish. 
This is the miracle worker. Yes, let's press in. I get, hey boy, do you have any bread at home? No, let's go for the Jesus crusade. Let's go for a few loaves. Hi girl, do you have any supper tonight? No, but let's go for the Jesus mission. I think we'll get some fish. You know, so they were going for what they can get. But when Jesus saw the crowds, he looked at them and realized, the crowds may not necessarily be pursuing me for a transformation. Maybe they want what I can give them. And many times we pursue God for the gifts or for the presents, not for his presence. There's a difference. Some people pursue Jesus for the presence, what he can give you. But others, the disciples pursue him for his presence, for the giver. And we need to up our game that, Lord, I'm pursuing you, not because of what you can give, but because of you. I love you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. It's very important. So Jesus looked at the crowd and he walked up the mountain. Why did he go up the mountain? You know, we're just taking a walk with Jesus before even we get to the Beatitudes. Let's just see how he set up the context. He goes up the mountain because it's against gravity. It tells me following Jesus is not necessarily the most convenient thing, you know. If he went down the river, naturally gravity will help you go down the river. But he went up the mountain. So somebody will have to exercise themselves to get to Jesus. Those who don't want to put in all it takes to get to know God better, they'll be left down with the crowd. But those that thirsted for a deeper experience with God, they go up the mountain. The Bible tells us he went to the mountainside and sat down. He didn't call anybody. He just sat down. And the next scripture says, and his disciples came to him. That's what defines who is a disciple and who is a bread seeker. That's what draws the line between fans and disciples. Some were just fans, Jesus fans. Yay, he's a miracle worker, hallelujah. But the day that he said, I must die, the day that he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, they were up in arms. Forget about him. No, 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 no. That's not the guy we want. Let's look for another disciple. Let's look for another man. But Jesus went and sat down and waited. What an excellent teacher. He doesn't just blurt out words of wisdom. He waits for those that are truly thirsty for those words of wisdom. He doesn't waste time. He won't just speak. Many of us are telling God, speak, speak, speak to, speak to me. But he's waiting for you to show that you are interested in what he's going to tell you. So he sat down and waited. Now those that were really thirsty for him, they came and he taught them. I like the way Jesus just ordered his steps. Goes up the mountainside, separates the crowds. Now the, then he keeps quiet, doesn't call anybody. Those that are interested come. Then when they are quiet, he now opens and says, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Then later on in verse 13, he now tells us, you are the salt of the earth. That is, you that have stepped out of the crowd and have come to seek me and have sat down to be taught by me, you are the salt of the earth. 
you are the ones that are going to make a difference. The difference is not going to be made when you are all caught up in the mix with the crowd. You must stand out. You must stand for what is right. Don't be afraid. We are living in a nation and in a generation that being a Christian, you really have to tread carefully and just be very carefully because it may be unconstitutional and you may, if you say you love Jesus, somebody may be offended that you love Jesus. But are you at a place that you truly love him and you're not ashamed? I love him and I love him. And if it offends you, <laughs> now if you love your wife and your neighbor is offended, what's, I wonder, he should love his own, <laughs> isn't it? I love my wife, so now go and love your own. Don't be offended that I love my own. It's my choice. So he's saying, he's looking for people that love him. Just don't be ashamed of loving him. You know what he's done for you. He's paid the price for you. He has, he he considers you dear enough to have died for you. So love him. I encourage you to love him. Praise the Lord. So Jesus sits down and teaches them. And he pours his heart out to them and tells them, you are the salt. Number one, it means, by virtue of the things that Jesus teaches you in your intimacy with him, you will bring flavor to the world. You should get a t-shirt a t-shirt and write flavor bringers you know and just go out there in the market and flavor bringers you know and people now wonder what's all this about the flavor movement and then you get to witness to them about jesus the favor i belong to the flavor bringers you know that that's a powerful movement the the middle school get that just some t-shirts some salt shaker and some salt getting out we are the flavor bringers he says, you're the ones to bring taste to life. How many people are living life that doesn't seem to have meaning? They are empty. They are, they are frustrated. They have pursued the money. They have gotten the money and life still doesn't seem to have a meaning. It's you that gives taste. You're the ones that will give them value for what they have. Remember in Ecclesiastes, the preacher he tried everything that could be tried. He tried the money. He tried the women. He tried everything. And at the end of it all, he says, meaningless, meaningless. All is meaningless. Why? There was something more than the things that he was missing. It's the sense of purpose. It's the sense of meaning. That life gets its significance from a relationship with the life giver. Life finds meaning when you are connected with the manufacturer. When you operate the product according to the manual, you find meaning in it. So Jesus said, you're the ones to bring flavor. As they look at your marriage, let them get flavor. Wow, this is the meaning of a marriage. When they look at you as a young person waiting for God's timing, they can get flavor and say, yes, it, it, it's meaningful. To wait and stay pure. They get flavor when they look at your work ethics and everything that you do. The way you handle crisis. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Let them see how you respond when you are stepped on. And you are pushed and your toes have been tread upon. How do you handle it? 
and they get a lesson and say, there is something. I don't have to flare up. There is salt in the nation. Praise the Lord. He says, you are the salt, meaning you are to preserve. I use an example. And I know I don't have too much time to expound on, on our ministry there. But when Reverend Judy started the ministry, it was a ministry to families and to women. And I remember a testimony of a woman called Rhoda. And right at our gate, Terry, you remember there's a big banner that's written, Home Care Spiritual Fellowship. That's what the title of the ministry is. So Rhoda is coming from Kibera, a place that was hopeless. She was HIV positive. She was dying literally at that point. You know, hopeless, abandoned by her husband. Life meant nothing. So Rhoda got up from home that morning and decided today is my last day. I am going to the main road. I'll stand before a fast moving truck and it will run me over. That is what she had decided. So she passed by home care and went to the main road, the highway. But by God's provision, there was no fast moving truck that came. Somehow, somehow, I think the angels just sat on the brakes and every truck that was coming wasn't coming fast enough. And she was frustrated. I mean, why are they not coming? I want to die today. So she decided, let me go home and just rethink my plan. As she was passing outside our offices, she saw the big banner, Home Care Spiritual Fellowship, and something spoke in her heart. She saw the word home, which was what she was going through, tough times at home. Home care, so there might be some care here about my family. Spiritual, so God might be here. So she decided to give it a try before looking for the next truck. And she came in there, and by God's calculation... It was a Thursday when we had a meeting at lunchtime. And Rhoda came to know the Lord through that and her life was preserved. The Bible says you are the salt of the world. You are to preserve lives. People that should have ended their lives, they should rub shoulders with you and choose to live just because you live. There's the song that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because you live also, may somebody choose to live. Praise the Lord. So, Talking about salt and and light, Jesus shows us that you can only become that as you sit at his feet and learn. Allow him to be your teacher. Take time. Go deeper. There are Bible, you know, they have small groups that you have. Go deeper in Christ. Affect your generation. You are to preserve lives. Then finally, it says you are the light. Light. Oh, we all enjoy light. <laughs> we, I don't know what we can do without it. The winter was dull and cold and you are waiting for the beaming sun. 93 million miles away. You are light. It means, even if you are 93 million miles away, there is a whole 7 billion human beings that are enjoying the light of the sun. You don't even have to step out of here to make a difference 10,000 miles away. That's how powerful Jesus considers you. You are the light. The sun has never come nearer for one second. Yet for all these thousands of years, we are enjoying the light of the sun. Our whole program is lined up by the sun. 
We get up at a certain time because of the sun. We sleep at a certain time because of the sun. Jesus is saying, because of your presence on earth, earth should follow that kind of program. They should find value and meaning because of your presence in the community. My question, are you the light in this community? Are you shining round about this place? Light doesn't stay just where it is. It sends its rays. Are you sending your rays beyond this local community? I know there are many who are involved in, in different missions. Keep on. Send the light wherever you are. Light is used for direction. Let people consider you and get direction on how to handle life. Let a young person that is giving up in life look at you and decide, okay, I think I'll live right. Because there are mentors. Let a marriage that is on the rocks and wavy, wavy and shaking, look at your own and decide, I think we can do something about our own. Let's try it out again. Last time that Pastor Lee and the team came, there was a couple that was 51 years. They had celebrated their 50 years in marriage. They were now moving on. Let me tell you, even if they never spoke a thing, just to see them and ask them, how long have you been married? 50 years. 50? Okay. How long have you been married? You know, you're excited. 50 years? 50? Same woman, same man, 50 years? You know, it's a joy. It gives you direction. For some of us who are attempting to start, <laughs> praise the Lord, that 50 years later, you can still wake up and look at each other and say, I love you. It's possible. Some are in their first year and they are already... Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> How about 50? Why don't we be the generation that will make a difference? There is that culture that if you get tired, just call it off. They even write agreements that in case you put an emergency exit, as you get into marriage, you already have an emergency exit. In case it doesn't work, you don't take this percentage, I take this percentage. In case of emergency, press this button. It's time for us to get into marriage without that button. And seal up the emergency exit. And say, I am in this thing to stay. I'm here for the long haul. Isn't that what you say? Let them observe you. Light direction. Light to give security. When a place is dark, there are insecurities. But when there is light, there is safety. So I'd really like to encourage us. The bottom line of today is take personal depth. Go deeper in your walk with God. I think that's the line I would like to leave you with. Whatever you are doing, you and God, thank God for the corporate times, but you and God make a program before the year goes far that I am going deeper with my God. I close with the story of Moses. That's my very close. In Exodus chapter 3, we are told that Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law. Now, just a humorous part. That he had really gone down. <laughs> until the only job he could get was a job with his father-in-law. That things were tough. <laughs> when you have to be employed by your father-in-law, things are tough. 
And you know, the father-in-law is not going to be, be soft on you. You married his daughter. So come on, go tend the sheep. <laughs> You're expecting me to give you a big job. No, you married us. Now go tend those sheep. And I don't want any one of them missing. So Moses was there. He said, oh my, life is tough. So he went to the back side of the desert. So that nobody will find him sobbing. <laughs> oh my, I tell you, life is tough. And there he was, wondering if there was an easier way. And the Bible says, as he was tending the flock, he saw the burning bush. It wasn't uncommon to see bushes burning in that time. It's very hot. Some of the plants have kind of, you know, they are oily. So a bushfire wasn't something strange. But this one was different. It was burning and not consumed. And the Bible says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. When God saw that Moses took time to understand better, then God called him. If God is going to take you to the next level of revelation, choose to seek him. Choose to respond to him. Thirst for him and he's going to give you the ability. Praise the Lord. So my prayer for you is that each one of us will make a definite decision to go deeper in Christ. Make a decision that this year, I want to know him better. Like Paul said, that I may know him. This is Paul at towards the close of his ministry. Yet he is still saying that I may know him. I thought you knew him. No, I want to know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. May that be your prayer. That Lord, I want to know you better. Because the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Let us pray together. Father, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to know you. Thank you because you are calling us deeper in love with you. Lord, we just want to submit to you. Asking you, forgive us for where we've been so busy with our own agenda and program. We've desired your gifts more than the giver. We've desired the presents you give us more than your presence. Forgive us, Lord. Give us a new beginning so that each one of us will thirst for you in a deeper way, in a personal way. Take us deeper in love with you so that when we know you, we shall be the salt and the light of the world. Our personal convictions shall be immovable, unshakable in a world that has so many storms and that is decomposing and that there is darkness. We shall stand as a witness, both in our community here in Wilmington and around the world. Just like the sun shines so far away, we shall shine our light in lands so far away from us physically. I pray for every one of us that has heard the word. Take us deeper in love. Baptize us by your spirit and give us a new thirst, a new passion, a new hunger for God and for a personal time with you. And make us effective in our communities. Thank you for your love and compassion. We give you praise and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.